Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and please don't forget to share it with others. this morning is from Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 19 and please stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. Now on the way to Jerusalem Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village ten men with a skin disease approached him. Keeping their distance they called out saying Jesus master have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? So where are the other nine? Did none of them return to give glory to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, God. Church, this morning we're diving into one of my favorite sacraments of the church, or one of the things that I think is the pinnacle of our faith and our worship, communion. See, I didn't grow up United Methodist. In fact, I grew up in the Pentecostal and Church of the Brethren traditions. Both have a very different understanding of what it means to come to the table and the role that communion plays in the life of the church. It wasn't until college that I experienced United Methodist worship and the great Thanksgiving. It was my first week on campus at Shenandoah University, and I wandered into Sunday morning chapel I was there for the first time. It was there for the first time that I experienced the sacredness and the beauty of communion in the UMC tradition. It was there at that table over four years that I can tell you without a doubt, I knew God had called me to serve the United Methodist Church. As the campus minister stood behind the table, she began to sing the call and response and invited all of us to join. Now, I won't sing. I don't want anyone to leave just yet. (laughs) But listen and join with me in the response. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Just like your music director said, we'll put a smile on our face and we'll say it one more time. (laughs) Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It 
and it is right to give our thanks and praise. As the campus minister moved through the traditional words that we often hear, I was overcome with joy. To recount the good news of what Christ has done for us and has taught us invited me into a new way of approaching this table. You see, in both my former traditions, coming to the table was around the remembrance of the pain and suffering of Jesus. And we hear that in our liturgy. But as I heard our liturgy that Sunday morning, just a few years ago, I heard a story of love and grace and a response of our gratitude. We hear these words towards the end of that liturgy. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Church, we're invited to the table with joyful hearts to give thanks to God, to praise the incredible works that God has done in each of our lives. We're invited to give thanks with our whole being. Our gospel lesson this morning invites 10 others to give thanks to God. Our story is unique to the gospel of Luke, and we find Jesus and the disciples on their way to Jerusalem passing through an area between Samaria and Galilee. 10 lepers approach Jesus, but they keep their distance. It can be difficult to understand or even begin to comprehend the isolation and social alienation these men would have faced. Folks lived in absolute fear of leprosy, which was a loosely defined word used to describe any and all skin diseases that looked suspicious. These men would have been ripped from their homes, unable to see their spouses, their children, their parents, thrown completely out of the village and made to live by themselves and sometimes maybe in a small community of others amidst their suffering. They were removed from everything in everyday life. They cry out to Jesus for mercy. Jesus responds to their plea, telling them to go and see the priest because it was the priest, not a physician, that could deem their cleanliness. But before they have a chance to see the priest, they are found to be healed. But only one of them turns around to acknowledge who it is that really healed them. One of the ten take the time to be thankful. The other nine headed straight to the priest, and we can assume back to their daily lives. The Samaritan, however, the foreigner, gives thanks to God and falls at Jesus' feet, moving from a distance to being face-to-face with Jesus. Coming back to Jesus with gratitude. Jesus' questions of why only one returns doesn't get answered, and Jesus moves on to tell the man to get up, go on your way, your faith has made you well. John Buchanan, a writer for the commentary Feasting on the Word, has this to say about Jesus' response. Your faith has made you well. That is surely to say that by Jesus' definition, faith and gratitude are very, very closely related. That faith without gratitude is not faith at all, and that there is something life-giving about gratitude. Being gracious can have an incredible impact on our lives. Several studies done over the last few years have proven that to be true. 
two professors at the University of Indiana did a study on people who were about to enter into some form of mental health counseling. They pulled together nearly 300 adults, mostly college students, and divided them into three groups. The first group, they asked them to write one letter of gratitude a week. The second group write a letter about their deepest thoughts and feelings towards negative experiences. And the last group just entered into counseling services without any additional work. After four weeks and 12 weeks, they polled the three groups and found overwhelmingly that those who had been writing letters of gratitude reported better mental health and it suggests that focusing on gratitude can be beneficial for our mental health. Another study, this time by two psychologists, one of University of California, one University of Miami, likewise showed that practicing gratitude led to healthier lives. They again had three groups that first were invited to weekly write about things they were grateful for, the second about daily irritations or things that displeased them, and the third wrote about events without any emphasis on being negative or positive. After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude and practiced gratitude were more optimistic, felt better about their lives, and they actually found that those who were in that group exercised more and took care of themselves more than the other two groups. And so gratitude, the practice of gratitude, can improve our physical health. I also talked about gratitude improving our relationships. Two examples they offered. First, a study on couples found that individuals who took time to express gratitude for their partner not only felt more positive towards the other person, but also felt more comfortable expressing concerns about relationships if they had any. The other, inviting managers to remember to say thank you, found that employees felt more motivated in return, and in return were more successful in their work life and were generally happier in the workplace. A simple thank you to start the day. What I love about this article from Harvard Health is that it gives us examples of ways to cultivate gratitude. One that repeatedly comes in these studies is to write a thank you note. The article suggests to write a thank you note monthly to someone at random. They even said, if you don't have time to write, to just mentally say thank you. Even thinking about being grateful for someone makes you happier. Suggested keeping a gratitude journal or finding space to meditate, and even here in Harvard Medical, it suggests to pray. To pray, giving thanks to God for the blessings that we have in our lives. To be grateful. So beginning with gratitude leads to happier and healthier lives. Imagine what kind of world we would live in if we all focused on gratitude first. What kind of faith we would have if we focused on gratitude first? It begs the question, what would change for us if our faith began with gratitude? Because church, we are called to be thankful people, to live our lives with gratitude, to give thanks for the grace of God. We find that in our communion liturgy. In fact, the word the Samaritan uses to give thanks for Jesus is the same word that Jesus, is used, that Jesus uses to give thanks to God over the bread and cup. In Greek, that word is eucristo. 
It's the same word we use here at the table, the Eucharist, the great thanksgiving. The Eucharist offers us a great reminder that God's grace is to be met with our gratitude. That this gift we receive is one to be thankful for. Theologian Karl Barth writes, Grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Gratitude evokes grace like the voice and echo. Gratitude follows grace as thunder follows lightning. We have so much to be thankful for in this meal. Because this meal, friends, is so much more than a reminder of God's grace. It is a meal in which we experience God's grace at work in our lives. It's here at the table where we come broken, troubled, falling short of God's glory, and yet we hear that we are worthy of this meal. We are worthy of God's grace. In the first church that I served, we had monthly communion. And typically, everyone would come forward, and for those who were unable, we would take communion to them. But I had a member, we'll call him Buster, continually not take communion never came forward, and usually sat on the side opposite of me, so I never had a chance to take communion to him. And I never knew why he wouldn't receive until one Sunday he sat on my side. I, along with a church member, took communion to him where he said, I I can't take that. My first response was, I'm so sorry, do you need gluten-free? Let me run back, I'll grab it for you and come back. Before I could walk away, he said, no, I'm unworthy to take communion. I've fallen too far. In that moment, I got to share with him what I will share with you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can take you away from God's grace received at this table. In fact, if you think you are unworthy to receive, then perhaps this is when you need communion the most. Because this bread and cup is not about our actions before coming before the table. It is about God being at work in us. And how you respond after having received should be one of praise and thanksgiving. I later learned after that service, a a member who'd been a part of this church for years. That was the first time he had received communion in over 15 years. It is a moment at the beginning of my ministry that I will never forget. Because it, it is so important for us to know the grace of God active in our lives, at our worst and at our best. God is near us, next to us, working within us. And all we need is to be like the Samaritan, to return to Jesus to say thank you. The good news we hear from our gospel lesson is that God's grace is at work in each of us. But it's up to us to decide how we will respond. Will we be like the nine, faithful enough to listen to Jesus and to follow his instructions? Or will our lives be filled with so much gratitude we can't help but say thank you for all Christ has done? As a church this morning, I would invite you as you come to the table today to come with gratitude. To reflect on how God has been at work in your life as you receive the bread and the cup. To know that the grace of God surrounds you now and always. And may you be thankful. Thanks be to God. Amen. Church, let us pray.
Holy One, we are thankful. Thankful for your role in our lives. Thankful that we come together, gathered as your community, to praise and to worship you. God be with us. As we come to the table, may we come knowing of your grace. May we come knowing of your goodness and mercy. And may we carry that throughout our days.